All right, welcome to the final session in the listener's commentary on Romans. We're going to look at all of chapter 16 in this recording as we wrap up this incredible letter. Here in chapter 16, Paul offers a host of greetings to various members of the church at Rome, as well as greetings from those who are with him. Paul mentions 26 different people in Rome in this chapter, and he offers special notations about 16 of them. Uh, That is important. It shows us that Paul already had a significant social network there in Rome. Even though he hadn't been there, he had a lot of contacts with people who now live there, who used to live in other parts of the world. And so in that sense, he already has a strong network of people that ought to readily welcome him when he comes. And since many of the people he mentions are Jews and he has connections with them, right? They've worked hard for the gospel, he says. And so he's got good connections there in Rome. This helped establish some rapport with the church there. And interestingly enough, the two letters of Paul, where he has the most extensive greetings at the end, are Colossians and Romans, both written to churches that Paul didn't start. And so this seems intentional on Paul's part, just to kind of build some relationship point out connections, establish some rapport, give some credibility to him and to his ministry by noting all the people that he's connected with in these places. So first, let me give an overview of the sections of chapter 16, and then we'll go back through and look at the details of those. So first off, Paul uh, gives a commendation of a woman named Phoebe in verses 1 and 2. So we get a commendation of Phoebe. Then in verses 3 through 16, we get uh, greetings to members of the Roman churches. Then in 17 through 20, there's a concluding warning. Then in 21 through 24 are greetings from those who are with Paul. And then in 25 to 27, you get the concluding benediction and sign-off. And so that's the way chapter 16 breaks out, all right? And it's just a lot of names, but there's a lot of really important things for us to pay attention to as we look through this letter. So first, the commendation of Phoebe. Phoebe is apparently the woman who is going to deliver the letter to the Romans to the church there in Rome. This is what Paul says in verses 1 and 2. He says this, Now I commend to you our sister Phoebe, who is a servant of the church, which is in Sincrea, that you receive her in the Lord in a manner worthy of the saints, and that you help her in whatever matter she may have need of you, for she herself has also been a helper of many and of myself as well. This is a really a high recommendation of this woman named Phoebe. She's from the church, he says, in Sincrea. Sincrea is near Corinth. It's actually one of the harbor towns, Corinth sat on a little strip of land between mainland Greece and the southern little chunk of Greece, and and, and it had little harbors on both the east and the western side. Sincrea was one of those harbor towns for the city of Corinth, And, and apparently there's a church there. We don't know when that got started. Probably an outgrowth of Paul's ministry in Corinth during the time he was there. And Phoebe is a member of that church. She lives in Sincrea. She's a part of that church. And she's presumably traveling to Rome on some business or some matter. Not totally sure what. Paul doesn't make it clear. He just tells the church there in Rome to help her in whatever way they can. She she might have some needs, so welcome her. Put her up, give her room and board, uh, help her make connections that she needs to make, help her in whatever regard she may have when she comes. And so uh, as best as we can tell, 
she's coming from Paul with the letter to Rome for some other purpose, and so it's a convenient way for Paul to actually deliver the letter to them. And notice how else Phoebe is described. She's our sister. She's a servant of the church. She should be welcomed in a manner that's worthy of the saints, worthy of God's holy people. Uh, And she's a helper of many, including Paul. So she's been a servant to and a helper of many. And so Phoebe is a well-respected, beloved member of the church at Sincrea and ought to be welcomed as such there in Rome. Next, in verses 3 through 16, Paul greets a whole host of people there in the church of Rome. And as he greets these people, we discover that the church in Rome is actually more accurately described as the churches in Rome. We actually note several different churches meeting in various houses around the city of Rome. And so this is what Paul says. He says, greet Prisca and Aquila, my fellow workers in Christ. This is Priscilla and Aquila. We meet them first in the New Testament in Acts chapter 18, verses 1 and 2. And Paul worked with them in Corinth. Um, They travel with him from Corinth to Ephesus. He leaves them there in Ephesus when he returns to Antioch, and they uh, they appear to have done some teaching there in Ephesus for a while. Uh, When Paul returns to Ephesus, it appears they're no longer there, that they have traveled back to Rome, and Paul describes them here as his fellow workers in Christ. Now, they seem to have probably been Christians originally from Rome, who were expelled from the city at the Edict of Claudius, that's mentioned in the book of Acts. Uh, When they left, they moved for a time to Corinth, and then they met up with Paul, and then they moved from Corinth to Ephesus. And then at some point, they moved back to Rome. So now they're back in Rome, and Paul knows them well, and he describes them here in Romans 16 as his fellow workers in Christ who risk their own necks for my life, to whom not only do I give thanks, but also all the churches of the Gentiles. Now, we don't know exactly what Paul is alluding to. We have no record of that. But in some certain way, they had risked their own lives for Paul's sake. I wish we knew more on that. But Paul says he, he, he thanks them immensely. Not only do I give thanks to them, but also all the churches of the Gentiles, because it's allowed Paul to continue his ministry, continue planting churches and all of that. And not only that, verse 5, he says, also greet the church that's in their house. So Priscilla and Aquila are living in Rome, and they're hosting a house church that meets in their house. And so Paul says, greet the whole church there in Priscilla and Aquila's house. Paul goes on in verse 5 and says, greet Epinetus, about whom Paul says this. He is my beloved, who is the first convert to Christ from Asia. And so this fellow named Eponidas is apparently the very first person Paul led to Christ in the region of Asia, uh, which Asia is the place that includes the city of Ephesus. And so maybe in Ephesus, maybe somewhere else. Verse 6, greet Mary, who has worked hard for you. And so we don't know who this Mary is. Very common name in the first century. Uh, but she is somebody who worked hard for the church there in Rome. Greet Andronicus and Junia, my kinsfolk and my fellow prisoners who are outstanding in the view of the apostles who also were in Christ before me. So he has quite a special note about Andronicus and Junia. And our best guess about this couple is that they're a husband and wife. 
that's not 100% clear, but it makes the most sense. In fact, there has been some debate about the name Junia. Is it male or female? Here's the thing. For the first 1,200 years of church history, it was regularly viewed as female. It's only been the last hand several hundred years where it was viewed as a male. And in all the inscriptions, the feminine name Junia has been found over 250 times, and the male name Junius has never been found. So, This is a woman, and it's probably a husband and wife who Paul is commending here with a very special note. First, he describes them as my kinfolks, which means they're Jews, and my fellow prisoners. We don't know when they were in prison with Paul. We don't even know when Paul met them, but apparently at some point earlier in his ministry, they were living in another place, and they were in prison with Paul, who are outstanding in in the view of the apostles. That's one possible translation of that description. It's also possible that the phrase could be translated notable among the apostles as if they were part of a the group of apostles. Uh, if that's the case, we need to remember that the word apostle doesn't always refer to just the 12 apostles. There are other people referred to as apostles in the New Testament because the word apostle can mean just an official representative. In some places, it means a representative of a church. And so we're not really sure the best way to understand this. What's interesting about this couple is that Paul says that they were in Christ before him. And so they became Christians before Paul. And so perhaps, uh, perhaps in some sense, they're noticeable among the original apostles. Perhaps in some sense, they were maybe part of the Jerusalem church or had a connection with the Jerusalem church before they've moved to Rome. We're just not really sure. We don't have enough detail to to know a whole lot about who this couple is and in what sense they're notable among the apostles or they're notable as part of the group of apostles, representatives. Just not really sure what all that means. Uh, But they're obviously a very long-standing, faithful follower of Jesus among the Jews. Next, Paul greets just a handful of people. Fairly quickly, he says, greet Ampliatus, my beloved in the Lord, greet Urbanus, our fellow worker in Christ, and greet Stachus, my beloved. He says, greet Apelles, the approved in Christ, and greet those who are of the household of Aristobulus, which is probably another church. When he says of the household, could be family, but it's more likely another church of this group, of Aristobulus's group, right? So it's those people who are of his place his household. Some have identified this Aristobulus as the brother of Herod Agrippa, Aristobulus, who lived in Rome. Maybe, we don't really know for sure. Up next, Paul greets a man named Herodian, who he describes as his kinsman, that is a fellow Jew. And then once again, he says, and greet those of the household of Narcissus who are in the Lord. And so, and maybe another house church, perhaps, Then Paul greets two women, Tryphena and Tryphosa. Again, we don't know, are they sisters? Who are these women? We're not totally sure, but Paul describes them as workers in the Lord. And so they work hard for the sake of Jesus. Greet Persis, the beloved, who has worked hard in the Lord as well. And so here's a fellow who is another hard worker for Christ. Greet Rufus, a choice man in the Lord. 
Also his mother and mine. And so that's an interesting little note. Here's a fellow named Rufus, whom Paul describes as someone who is a choice man in the Lord. And he says, and greet his mother and mine. And most suspect what Paul means by that is like, she's like a mother to me. Like in that sense, not literally a mother, but his relationship with her is so close that she's like a mother to me. So we're not exactly sure who this Rufus is, but he's... But here's an interesting connection with a bit of speculation. Towards the end of Mark's gospel, traditionally written to the Christians in Rome, uh, he mentions that Jesus' cross was carried by Simon of Cyrene, and then he throws in this little note, the father of Alexander and Rufus. Is that the same Rufus? Well, it would make sense there in the church of Rome that if this is written to Rome, that he is noting that particular Rufus. And so that's possible, just not 100% certain. After Rufus, Paul lifts off just a handful of other people to greet and a group of people with him, apparently another house church. The people he mentions are Asencritus, Phlegon, Hermes, Petrobus, Hermas, and the brothers and sisters with them. Presumably another house church gathered together around this group of people. And then he does the same thing in verse 15 with what appears to be another house group. He mentions Philologus and Julia, maybe a husband and wife, maybe it's their house, uh, Nerus and his sister Olympus, and all of the saints with them. So apparently another house church meeting in the home of Philologus and Julia. And finally, he rounds out all these greetings simply by saying, greet one another with a holy kiss. The holy kiss is standard way to greet one another, particularly within family, demonstrating warmth and affection. So greet one another in a family-like, warm and affectionate sort of way. All the churches of Christ greet you. So he just extends broad greetings from all the churches of Christ. Now, before we leave these greetings and move on to the next section here in chapter 16, just a couple observations about these greetings. Um, there are 26 different people, 24 named, two unnamed, and yet very specific people. There are several groups of people mentioned here in these greetings. And in addition to building the bridge between Paul and himself, right, like we talked about in the introduction to this section, there may be another reason for mentioning all these people, especially mentioning the groups of people. There's at least three house churches, maybe five house churches mentioned here in this these greetings. And in view of Paul's weak and strong discussion, in view of the, the churches not gathering together, this may be one way Paul tries to get all the churches to acknowledge each other, to see each other, and to draw the churches together. It's just by greeting all these different people from all these different churches uh, so that they can begin to acknowledge each other and see themselves as one. Additionally, as you read through these greetings, note the prominence of women. Nine out of the 26 individuals are women, and most of them are praised in some way. And so the biblical teaching on women's roles obviously doesn't mean that women can't have significant ministries in the church. Obviously, Paul's teaching about women don't mean he looked down on women. Paul is valuing these specific ladies here, and you see that really throughout his ministry. In fact, one of the the overall effects of Christianity in the ancient world was actually elevating the status of women. And so we see that here with women being acknowledged, women being acknowledged for their hard work and being acknowledged in a, a way that they're prominent here and members of the Roman church. 
And then lastly, just by way of observation, the fact that Paul mentions at least three, maybe five house churches, well, that's fascinating. That that tells us that even though he writes to the church at Rome, the church at Rome was composed of several different house churches. We don't know how large those churches were. Maybe 10, 20, 30 people in those churches. So maybe the whole church at Rome of made up of these different house churches was was a hundred people or so in a city of over a million people. That's just a small little drop in the hat. And so it reminds us really of how small these churches were at the very beginning of Christianity and how little we actually know about the way they were composed, the way they were overseen, the the organizational structure and, and all of that. We would think, oh, the church at Rome, but it's several house churches here that are mentioned in these greetings. Now, having greeted all these people, having mentioned these specific house churches, Paul has a final warning to the church in verses 17 through 21, specifically to watch out for those who cause divisions, which is important in view of all these different house churches and in view of Paul's call to glorify God together with one voice in 15 verse 6. And so here, after mentioning all these different people, mentioning these different house churches, Paul actually calls the church to watch out for those who would cause divisions. This is what he says in verse 17 and following. He says, Now I urge you, brothers and sisters, keep your eye on those who cause dissensions and hindrances contrary to the teaching which you learned, and turn away from them. And so if people are going to stir up division between these various house churches, not actually do what Paul said and learn to eat together and worship together and glorify God together with one voice, if you have people that are actually causing dissension and divisions and hindrances, turn away from them. Turn away from them because that's contrary to the teaching which you learned. And that reminds us of really how serious division is and how serious causing division is to Paul, the apostle, to Jesus as king. And so he says in verse 18, for such people are slaves, not of our Lord Jesus Christ, but of their own appetites. If they're causing dissension and division and hindrances in the church, well, they're actually slaves to their own desires not to Jesus Christ. And by their smooth and flattering speech, they deceive the hearts of the unsuspecting. And so you should turn away from them. Paul goes on to say that he's confident of the Romans' obedience in this matter. He just wanted to draw their attention to this issue. He says in verse 19, for the report of your obedience has reached everyone. And so the news of Uh, Christians there in Rome and of people coming to faith in the gospel there in Rome, that's spread throughout the empire and spread to the other churches that Paul has started. And that's cause for rejoicing. And so Paul says, therefore, I'm rejoicing over you, but I wanted you to be wise in what is good and innocent in what is evil. And so watch out for these who stir divisions up, right? Watch out for those who, that's an evil thing. So don't be party to that and pay attention to people who do that. Be wise in what is good. Be innocent in what is evil. The God of peace will soon crush Satan under your feet. Oh man, what a strong little statement there. But notice, the God of peace, the God of shalom. God is the one who amongst his people has worked peace in Jesus and is working for peace among his people. And so we need to be people who support peace rather than causing division and dissension. Um, And so the God of peace will soon crush Satan under your feet. And that language actually echoes that of Genesis 3.15, where uh, the author of Genesis says that 
the seed of the woman will crush the head of the serpent. Um, and so Paul is echoing that language there here and saying that's going to actually happen in and through you as well. With that, Paul gives a final blessing. The grace of our Lord Jesus be with you. And then he gives some greetings from his co-workers. He says, Timothy, my fellow worker, greet you. So do Lucius, Jason, Sosipater, my kinsmen. So some fellow Jews who are working with Paul. And then verse 22 tells us who's the scribe who actually wrote this letter by hand, the one to whom Paul dictated it. He, verse 22 says, I, Tertius, who have written this letter, greet you in the Lord. And so Tertius adds his own greeting. And this was very common in the ancient world for somebody to dictate a letter and someone else to write it down. So there you have Tertius writing down what Paul is saying as Paul is essentially preaching this letter to Tertius and Tertius is writing it down by hand. Don't know if Tertius was a, a formal scribe or just somebody who had skill in that area that Paul had recruited for this purpose, but Tertius wrote the letter. He, it's his handwriting. If we could find the original manuscript, it's his handwriting on the letter as Paul dictated it to him. Uh, verse 23, Gaius, host to me in the whole church, greets you. Um, Paul is writing this letter from Corinth. He's writing it during the long winter at the end of his third missionary journey from Corinth before he heads to Jerusalem. And so the church in Corinth is hosted by Gaius. Notice, Gaius hosts me and the whole church greets you. And so Gaius is Paul's host and presumably host to the whole church and he greets you. Erastus the city treasurer greets you, and Quartus the brother. So a handful of other people who are significant members of the church in Corinth. What's interesting is we actually have external confirmation of Erastus. Uh, there's an inscription that was found in the pavement in the city of Corinth that refers to Erastus, the city treasurer, paid for this pavement at his own expense. So this is the same Erastus that's mentioned here in Romans, um, the city treasurer there. And so he apparently paid for a paving project out of his own pocket there in the city of Corinth. So Erastus greets them, Quartus the brother greets them, and then Paul turns to a final closing benediction, which is so apropos for such a majestic letter for Paul not just to sign off with greetings as he does so often in his other letters. He signs off with this Beautiful benediction here in verses 25 through 27. This is what Paul writes. Now to him who is able to establish you according to my gospel and the preaching of Jesus Christ, according to the revelation of the mystery which has been kept secret for long ages past, but now has been disclosed, and through the scriptures of the prophets in accordance with the commandment of the eternal God has been made known to all the nations leading to the obedience of faith, to the only wise God, through Jesus Christ, be the glory forever. Amen. And so the heart of this benediction is, may God be glorified for everything he has accomplished over the long story of Israel, now culminating in Jesus. May he be glorified through all of that, as it has brought about also the obedience of faith among the Gentiles. That's really the benediction. It's now to him be the glory forever. Amen. And in between the now to him and be the glory forever. Amen. is just these multiple phrases celebrating 
the preaching of the gospel, the mystery of God that was hidden in the past but now revealed in Christ. That mystery is specifically that God is forming one new family composed of Jews and Gentiles in the Messiah. That wasn't totally clear exactly how that was going to work out under the old covenant, but now it's become totally clear how he's going to do that. Um, this is in keeping with the prophetic writings, right? The writings of the prophets, the old Testament scriptures. It's in keeping with the commandment of God. And all of that has brought about the obedience of faith among the Gentiles. And that's the heart of Paul's ministry. As he said, the very beginning of Romans in 1 verses 4 and 5, here again he restates it, the obedience of faith for all the nations through Jesus Christ, the Messiah. And so what a beautiful climactic finish to this letter that has celebrated one people of God in Christ through his redeeming work, and how God now is calling us to live together in harmony so that we can glorify God together with one voice. That's really the grand vision of Romans. And so now, 2,000 years later, here we are, all these different people from all these different places and all these different backgrounds and all these uh, different ethnic tribes and languages and all these different nations together as God's people celebrating what God has done for us in Jesus. And so wherever you're listening to this commentary at, whether you're in Singapore or whether you're in Russia or whether you're in Sri Lanka or India, whether you're in South Africa or Kenya or whether you're in Australia or New Zealand or Canada or the UK or the United States of America, wherever you're at, we, with the Romans, we are one family of God in and through the great work of the Messiah, King Jesus. And so may we, with one voice, bring glory to our God and our Father. Hey, thanks for listening to the listener's commentary on Romans. As you know, this commentary is completely free of charge because I'm doing it as a crowdfunded project. And so if you want to help support this work so that more and more people can learn and live the Bible through this resource, then you can swing over to listener's commentary slash give, listener's commentary slash give. I'll put the link down below and you can check that out. Uh, and you can support this work. I couldn't do it without the generosity of God's people all over the place. So thank you to those of you who give to make this possible. Thank you to those of you who pray and make this possible. Whether you give, whether you pray, whether you do both, may God bless you for being a part of the listener's commentary.